Well, good evening, everyone. Good to see you tonight, and um, thank you for being faithful and attending. I wanted to uh, just thank you also for those from other churches. Just thanks for uh, being part of service tonight. But um, it's going to be a great week as we um, focus on missions and uh, the work of the gospel all around the world. Of course, as uh, as um, you heard just there, we have the, the Hebley family with us. Glad that uh, they can be part of our our missions conference. We spent some time with them uh, in their mission field, uh, Outback Queensland, and their, their uh, ministries, Australian Outback um, uh, Ministries, and, and we're just looking forward to um, to just uh, just hearing from from Brother Jim and also the work there uh, in the next couple of um, next couple of days, and uh, looking forward to spending some time with them in Lithgow uh, on Saturday as well. That's sort of their their thing out rural towns, and so. We wanted to, to get their involvement in that. But then also, as you, you may have noticed, we've got the Gondomans with us. And so glad for, for um, Pastor Tom and Sister Heidi just being part of um, our, our, our missions conference this year. And, and, you know, one of the things that I was um, just thinking about leading up to our missions conference is just how much uh, I've missed um, uh, Pastor Gondoman's uh, missions drive and influence on the church. And as I was praying for this year, really, I felt like the Lord um, gave me the go to, to invite him. And so we're looking forward to, to hearing him in a little while. And I'm pretty sure you came to hear him tonight anyway. So um, we're going to turn our Bible. So I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly go through some things here tonight. But Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and then also 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. But uh, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for those that already have been praying, have prepared you know, these things, uh, these flags that remind us of all of the nations around the world didn't put themselves up uh, on their own. Uh, there were those who prepared prior to us arriving tonight. And of course, as you heard, just a great challenge and song uh, there. And, um, and already as we, as we get, get into the evening, get into our missions conference, uh, we're just asking the Lord to do something in our hearts this evening. And um, I want to start here tonight. You know, often when we view missions, we tend to we tend to sort of uh, sort of only only view it from the standpoint of of it being a um, a foreign entity. Like a it, it, missions is only uh, supposedly a, a foreign kind of ministry. Uh, when in reality, when we think about missions and we think about those who are called to certain fields that are, are not in our in our national borders, but over in other countries and other places, really what they're doing is what we're supposed to be doing as well. And, and that's, that's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and as you consider that and, and think about that, note with me Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and uh, we know this as the Great Commission. Uh, this is the basis of which we go into all the world. But there's a, there's, a, there's a word here and, and also a consideration here that we need to make, uh, that we need to think about in verse 8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. And the important word there is both. He says, witnesses unto me both. And then notice there, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And there's an understanding there that, that we need to have tonight as we consider the work of the gospel into all of the, the world, that, the, that 
as part of the world and as part of the fields that we need to reach is very much also within our locality. It's within this vicinity as well. God's expectation is that we would do the work of being a witness, not just in overseas missions, which we'll focus a lot about uh, the rest of the week, but, but it has to start in our Jerusalem. It's got to start right here. And, and you know, often uh, we would hear uh, folks who would say that I, I, I very much have a missions heart, and I have a very, very much uh, a heart to support missions, but they do very little or they're very disinterested in actually doing anything about that same message being preached by those missionaries that they say they have a passion about. They're not actually passionate about the gospel, period. And there's a, there's a, I think there's a disconnect there as we consider that because God said that we are to be witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and then out to the uttermost parts of the earth. I think about what C.T. Studd said, who was a, a famous missionary of yesteryear, where he said, the light that shines farthest, and he said this, shines brightest, nearest home. And, and what he was saying there was, was in his experience, those who had a passion for the gospel that could spread the light to wherever they were going and wherever they were situated, uh, firstly shine bright right where they were originally situated. Right there in their, perhaps their local church, in their locality. And I think before we can truly lift our eyes to the field, of the fo- uh, the, to the foreign fields, we must look closely at the field that's immediately in front of us. And really, the reality is this, while some may be called, and some will be called uh, to other fields all around the world, in fact, this week, this Sunday night, we're going to commission some who will go to other fields. We're going to commission the Agateps who are going to go to the Philippines. We're going to commission a Sauron who's going to go to Sri Lanka, all different fields, all overseas. The reality is they're going to be the few that we're going to, they're going to be the few of the, the whole. And the majority of us will stay here. And it can't be an expectation that they will do the work, but then we won't do the work. Because this is part of the world too, of which God has a heart for, of which God, uh, through, uh, through His sacrifice on the cross, through Jesus Christ, died for. And, and there needs to be an understanding that if we're going to be a missions church, that, that we're going to have to just be a, a church that's sold out, not just on the foreign fields, but sold out for the gospel right here as well. It's got to start here. We've got to be that kind of church. And, and from that, as we, as we consider God's heart for those that are, 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 we go past every day, those that we work with, those who are our neighbors, those who are in our immediate community, as we see God's heart for them, really by extension, then we see God's heart for those 7 billion others all around the world. And we're going to see here a church who exemplified that, I think, and this was the case here for the church in Thessalonica. Look at, look at 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And notice verses 5 to 8 with me. It says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So he's reminding them of the fact that that uh, they, they had come and they had preached the gospel to them. 
In verse 6, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And then notice verse 8 with me, For from you, so it originated there, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word. Notice this is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. And so they had such a testimony that while Paul and, and his, his, uh, his fellow laborers were traveling around, the, this church's reputation, this church's zeal for the gospel, this church's zeal to, to spread the light and to share the word of God had preceded them. And it's like they didn't have to say anything about them. Their, their reputation had gone forward. Uh, their passion and their zeal for that had already gone forward with them. But notice there again, from, for from you sounded out the, God, the, the word of the Lord. It, it was something that was uh, known of them. Uh, this was a church who, who was awakened in their missionary zeal. This, this was a church by whom uh, sounded out the word of the Lord and it impacted regions beyond them. But I just want to say and submit to you tonight, it started there. They had a zeal. They had a zeal for those who were around them. And, and as we examine ourselves this week, may we allow our Lord to revive in us a missionary spirit. And perhaps it would start right here in our Jerusalem. Uh, perhaps as we consider the Great Commission, uh, before we get uh, too far and before uh, we, we, we consider uh, sending those that, that are from among us and, and even as we uh, have, a, it's a, a great joy to have the Portillos back for a little while and, and to see the work that, that, uh, that, they had, uh, that God had done through them already. Uh, I hope that, that they would see as they've come back uh, a growing zeal for the cause of Christ right here in Seven Hills, New South Wales. And may we examine ourselves this week and may we allow our Lord to revive in us a missionary spirit and perhaps as zealous workers for the field right here. See, someone once said this, there are only really three types of Christians when it comes to missions. Zealous goers, zealous senders, and disobedient. And I hope that, that we would be zealous in any case. And, and we're going to examine some reasons why some reasons why the church of Thessalonica and our church also can burn bright for the gospel right here and then beyond and notice with me verse 5 here's the first reason notice he says for our gospel came not unto you in word only but also in power and in the Holy Ghost the first thing I want you to note is is this they received the gospel from others who came. They received the gospel from others who came. And specifically here we see Paul and all of his fellow laborers. They, they came along and they were able to preach the gospel. Uh, we see that in Acts chapter 17. If we could quickly turn there. Acts chapter 17. And notice verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where was a synagogue of the Jews. And verse 2, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them. And I, I like that, 
how the, the Bible terms that as, as his manner was. It was Paul's manner as he went to different cities. Uh, this, this great missionary went and preached the gospel. His manner was he went into the, unto them and, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Verse 3, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Hey, isn't that the gospel? And some of them, notice this, believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. And so we see there that as the gospel was preached by Paul, there were those who were saved and there was a birthing of the church in Thessalonica. There was a, a great multitude there that believed. There, there were those who, who came to know Christ as their Savior. But the point I'm making is this. They received it. The point was that Paul came and he preached the gospel and then they were saved. You see, the gospel is not indigenous anywhere. It had to be introduced. It had to be introduced by those uh, who came to tell, who, who were called to go, who came to that vicinity, to that locality, to that place on the map, to that town, to that city, to that person. But they had to be introduced to Jesus. They had to be introduced to the gospel. And no doubt, as I look around here, uh, that would probably be your story. There was probably someone that God used who was instrumental in your life uh, to, that showed you the gospel. It wasn't like you woke up one morning and you, you just understood it. No, someone had to show you through the Word of God perhaps, uh, through, through the testimony of the Scriptures, who you were in Christ, that, that you were indeed a sinner in need of a Savior, and you had to be introduced. You had to receive it. See, it, it, just, it just doesn't, it's not just indigenous anywhere. It comes introduced by those who would go and tell. And if you were to probably collate everyone's salvation testimony, there's no doubt we could trace perhaps to a point when a missionary came and preached the gospel. Along the line somewhere. You know, I think about the history of Australia. And as you know, you know, Sydney is very much uh, really the birthplace of Australia as we know it. And even, even in those early days, there, were, had, there had to be those who, who came with, with the gospel. There were those who were, uh, who were natives and indigenous in this land, but their belief was not the gospel. Someone had to go. There had to be a chaplain on, on that first fleet to, 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 sh uh, to share the gospel to those who were needy and lost. And, and we could trace back perhaps to those uh, early missionaries that came along here. We can look at those first uh, independent Baptist missionaries uh, that, that came. And, and we see now all of these things, all of these different churches. People have been saved. But what I'm saying was Australia didn't birth the gospel. Someone had to come here and introduce it. Someone had to receive it. And so Paul was reminding them as he, as he, uh, as he wrote to them here in verse 5. He says, for our gospel came not unto you in word only. They came with great struggle. They came with a great passion. They came knowing that there might be those who would hear, that would believe, and they had to introduce the gospel there. And so we need to remind ourselves that we didn't always have the gospel. We, we, we were introduced to it. This place where we live, where we 
are. We, we were introduced to that. And, and perhaps you were saved elsewhere, but you came here. What I'm saying is you received it. Someone had to tell you. Someone had to show you. Someone had to go through Scripture with you. And someone had to, to, uh, someone had to be the tool and the, the, the person that God had to use to be able to share with you the Gospel. And many times those who have the Gospel, sadly for a long time, can become slack in their preaching of it in their locality. You, you know, so that, that's, that's really the problem of Sydney, of, of this place. You know, we've had the gospel for a long time. We've had those who've come before us. Uh, there are some even in this place, in this church, who grew up and they got saved early on. And, and that would be my testimony. I was saved as a seven-year-old boy. And, and sometimes, because we've been spoiled, we've been, we've been immersed in that, we forget how valuable and what kind of treasure it really is. We can become slack in, in our preaching of it in our locality, but that's an ignorance of this. We received it in the first place. It was given us. It's been patterned for us that, that, that someone said, and you know, I can think about many different nations all around the world who used to be great sending stations for the gospel. Why? Because there was a fervor, firstly, in their home countries for the gospel. You know, a classic example really is England. England used to send multitudes of missionaries all around the world. We, uh, we could drive down the highway and go down to Newcastle, and, and even there we, we would see remnants of that when Thomas Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon's son, came and started a church in Newcastle. You can go down downtown Newcastle and you can see somewhat, if, you, if you've ever studied uh, or seen photos of the tabernacle there in, in London, uh, there's going to be a building very similar to that in Newcastle. He then went on to New Zealand and, and different places. But there's remnants of that. But, you know, if you go to England today, and, and not that I've been, I've heard. There, there's just not that many anymore. In fact, Islam and, and different religions have overtaken it. And very much, there's those who are sending missionaries to England, where it used to be. And maybe I submit to you, they, they've forgotten that they received it in the first place. That they were to be stewards of it. That they were to be ones who were, who were to, to live their lives in, in sharing the gospel in their locality. See, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And, and it was sometimes... Sometimes, rather than being bold, and rather than, than seeing it as precious, sometimes we've been uh, immersed in it. Sometimes we become desensitized to the importance of it, and, and we don't. We don't. We don't share like we ought. We don't tell like we ought right here. And missions is really all about the gospel. It's about the gospel. It's the gospel that changes lives. Hey, listen, we, we, could, we could start all these social reforms. We could, we could try to uh, meet physical needs and, and all of that, uh, maybe to, to get into the country to help those, but those things will never transform a person's life like the gospel can. And it's the gospel that matters. And so if we're for missions, really, we're for the gospel, wherever we are. And, and I, I love that quote that was, uh, that was mentioned there in, uh, on the video by C.J. Tinsley, 
This was in 1912, just down the highway, down Parramatta Road, right there at Stanmore, where he said, we must preach or we will perish. We must evangelize or we shall fossilize. We must be a missionary force or we shall become a missionary field. And we have a great responsibility, not just to keep the gospel to ourselves because we have it, but right here to be able to share, to to have that, that missionary spirit right here. Let's not take for granted what others have done so that we could have the gospel. And I think that's what, what Paul was reminding them. He was saying, we came to you. We, we, not in word only, but in power and the Holy Ghost. And, and we, we recognize, as we read through Acts 17, there was a great struggle there. It wasn't like it was plain sailing. And let's not take for granted what others have done so that we could have the gospel. Let's not expect our missionaries to busily tell what we neglect to speak. You see, we still have a job to do. And whilst our field, there's needs, and we see great needs in other places, let's not neglect to remember tonight that we still have a job to do right here. We still have a job to do. See, Greater Sydney, as we saw there, it spans 12,400 square kilometers. Uh, There's a projected population of 5.5 million in a couple of years. Um, There's an estimated 45 independent Baptist churches in Greater Sydney. That means for every church, there are 122,000 people to reach. Whilst on average, a church has less than 40 members. It's a big task. Uh, Of the total population... 39.2% were born overseas. The top five countries for residents born overseas are China, United Kingdom, India, New Zealand, and Vietnam. And and you know that that old saying, well, well, you know, Australia, it's the mission field coming to us. It's very true here. If you just took a a, a really broad view as you walk around, you're going to see many nationalities. You're going to have many of those who are new to our nation. Northwest Sydney, where we're situated, has an estimated 580,000 people. And then this will increase to 845,000 in 20 years. That's a whole lot of people. That's a whole lot of people to reach. That's a whole lot of people we are responsible for. And yet, this, this, uh, this church in Thessalonica from them sounded out the word of the Lord. And may, may it be that, that we have that heart. We, may it be that, that as we recognize that we received the gospel, that it's a treasure. That, that it's something that, that, that we ought to be actively talking to others about. But then notice, secondly, in verse 6, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. And so you note there that they... They, as they followed them in, in the, the gospel, in, uh, in the, the teachings of the disciples and the, the doctrine that was given them, that there, there was much affliction. They, they encountered great opposition for the gospel. We see that later in Acts 17. We won't take the time to read the rest of that chapter. But in Acts 17, we saw that there was, a, there was great, um, great struggles in the city because of the, the, those who had gotten saved and those who were unbelieving. They, tra- they drove out Paul. And they drove out uh, those that were his, uh, were his co-laborers. And, and, and there was great opposition. And I'm reminded in 2 Timothy 3.12, it 
where the Bible says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And, and there's never been a time where it was just plain sailing for the gospel. The, the, go, the gospel has always had enemies. It's always, this world has always been contrary to it. And, and we are, we're living more and more in a time and in a place where the gospel is being marginalized. And whilst we still have a good percentage of those who claim as their religion Christianity, many of those are nominal and aren't truly saved. And we have a growing number also claiming to be non-religious. And what I'm saying is, is, is we're living in a time when being a Christian, truly that, is really in the minority. We're really living in opposition. You know, we need to, we need to endure and continue to preach despite of this. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying that tonight, we aren't suffering physically. You know, we, we're not like some of our brethren overseas who are being tortured and being hunted for their faith. But, but how would they take it if we are, who are living in somewhat liberty, although in opposition, somewhat in liberty, are, 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 being, are, are doing minimal, are doing the minimal despite the, the relative peace that we have for the gospel. You know, how do you think our missionaries would feel if we as a church would start to decline and start to do less for the gospel here while they endure and they labor without the comforts and without the resources that we have and they continue to do so in their field? You know, how do you think our missionaries would feel uh, if we stop giving because we can't afford to keep our lights on and continue to go, grow God's work here? Uh, how, how do you think our missionaries would feel if, if we just did less and less for God and, and suddenly, you know, where it was, where their home church was a thriving church, where there were people getting saved, where there were people getting discipled, where there were people's lives who were getting changed because of the Word of God? Uh, how would you like it if they came back for furlough and suddenly, those ones who used to be faithful, who used to love God, who used to just be zealous and passionate about the things of God, who used to be in the orchestra, who used to be in the choir, who used to go out, suddenly don't anymore. And then their excuse is this, but it's too hard. And then they're thinking, you want to swap for a while? You really, you really can, can reason that out? You know, sometimes in... in when a little opposition comes along, when a little hardship comes along, you know, we, we run away from that and we run to comfort. We, we, we run for some shelter. We run not to be ridiculed. And perhaps it is that. Perhaps we are too comfortable. But perhaps God will have to shake us up like He did the church in Jerusalem. Because I think sometimes we're just too comfortable. And what I'm saying here is, is, is we may not be the most, uh, we're not in the majority, we're marginalized. Let's still be fervent here and desire for God to, to use us and perhaps even send some out even in these contrary times. See, they continued in the gospel despite opposition. And I wonder how we're doing with that. I wonder when, 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 uh, when you open your mouth and you're, you're, you're trying to be bold for the gospel, and someone tries to put you down, I wonder if we would just continue to do so anyway. I wonder if some of you who are diligent to go out, I wonder if those of you who, who knock on those doors and try to talk to people on the street, I wonder if you come back 
from a time where, where no one wanted to hear anything. I wonder if you'd go back again. Because as they looked at them, they became followers of us and of the Lord, even though they received the word in much affliction. They, they, were, they were consistent. They, they, they had the same passion. They, they continued to do what they were meant to do. But then lastly, as we think about this in verse 7, say, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Now these regions here were just the surrounding regions around them. And here's the point as we think about how we can be a burning light from here. Is this, they extended fellowship to other believers just in their neighboring regions. You know, there was a care for those believers in these neighboring regions. They were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, do, do, we, do we look at, look at our, our immediate? You know, I was just in, in Queensland recently. And, um, and, you know, being a New South Welshman, sometimes you go in there and you feel like you're coming into enemy territory, all right? And it was Origin Week, so I did feel a bit of that. But anyway, they were nice to me. They were nice to me. But, you know, as I, I began to drive around there and uh, just driving past different places, I began to, to sort of catalog it in my mind. And when I got to the place where I was going to be ministering to, I just asked them, were there churches here, here, here? And they were saying, oh, yeah, there's a church there. And, and no, there's no church there. And I was just trying to get a lay of the land. And, and, and what I'm saying is, is I wonder if we're just sort of aware of what's happening in our own backyard. I wonder if we're just aware of how, how other churches are going, other churches of like faith. How are they doing? Do we, do we make it a habit to just think about that and think about those that are in immediate vicinity? And, you know, our good friends um, at, at Faith Baptist, some of them are here tonight. I'm glad for what's going on in their church. I'm glad uh, for those, those uh, baptism days that they've had recently, and I rejoice in that. And I wonder as we go down uh, and we ride the train down the... Um, for work each and every day as we go past, I wonder if we start to think about, oh, is there a Baptist church? Is there a church here that, that preaches the gospel? Uh, do, we, do we cheer on other works when they see God work? Do we care for the regions immediately around us? And, and that's why uh, I appreciate uh, what, what the, the Hebrews are doing as, as God's called them here and, and the regions in the outback Queensland, some of, some of the most, I think, neglected people. They're just out there in isolation. I know of another, uh, another uh, preacher friend this week who moved over to Broken Hill, took on a work over there, 12 and a half hours away from here, right out there. And I'm just thinking there's so much need right here. And then yet the, the bigger, the broader picture, boy, there's such a need around the world. But it's got to start here. The, the light's got to shine right here. We've got to be passionate about Christ. We've got to be passionate about the gospel right here. And I hope that, that we, I hope we can encourage each other. We ought to encourage our brethren and, and, and stop, stop bashing our brethren. You know, I, I, I enjoy hearing good reports when it's for the gospel. And I think often we can rejoice in what's happening overseas, which we ought to, by the way. We ought to rejoice in that. When there are really still very pressing needs in our own backyard. You see, the reason this church was able to sound out the word of the Lord was because it was being actively spoken about at home. It was just them. The gospel was an active part of who they were. And, and here's what I'm saying. Nothing beats authenticity. 
You know, if we're real here, then we'll be real out there. You know, um, we ought to pattern that. And we can't truly say we're for missions if we aren't missionary-minded in our day-to-day living, in our manner of faith right here, in our Jerusalem, in our locality. It's got to start here. And we're going to discuss this week. We're going to talk about different, different fields. We're going to be made more aware, perhaps, of some needy fields. But I wonder if we would just start right here. I wonder if we would have compassion as we walk down the street tomorrow. I wonder as we, we, we sit down with a, with a fellow commuter this week, I wonder if we would have compassion on them. Because they're also a soul in need of a Savior. They're a sinner in need of grace. And can I just remind you, someone told you. Someone came to you. And if it were not for, for them showing compassion for you, where would you be? And don't we want to return that in kind? Don't, don't we want to be the kind of Christian that just so treasures and values the gospel that we'd share it, that we'd tell someone else about it this week in our everyday, that, that, we would, that our conversation would be the gospel? Let's pray. Father, thank you, dear God. Lord, thank you for, Lord, many, Lord, who are faithful in this. But I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to just view it, Lord, through your eyes, knowing that there's still a, a great and pressing need. And, and Father, certainly, Lord, all around the world, there's a great need. But Father, I pray that, that that'll be our pattern and our manner of living. And that, Lord, from this place, this church, would sound out the word of the Lord. Pray that you'd help us to be real in that. That, Lord, it's not just a, a token thing, this, this idea of missions, but, Lord, that we'd live and breathe it as we go about each and every day. That you'd enable us, Lord, to be a light here, to be a place where, where those that are, are needy and lost will hear the word of the Lord, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us, I pray, in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name.